0: What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on modern day radio.
1: And welcome to this episode of View From The Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken, and with me is the man who's dreading the warm weather because it means he's got to go out and trim the roses, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. My roses need some trimming.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I I just talked to David, your colleague on the morning show, and he went out and mowed his lawn yesterday, and I said, you know, it's kind of like when you cut your child's hair for the first time. Once you cut the hair, it grows like even more. Well, same thing with grass. The first time you cut it for the season... You're out there cutting way more than your neighbor who's still waiting to cut theirs.
1: Well, the th- the nice thing is, though, I'll say this, is we enjoy putting together a nice yard. I'm starting to feel that need to get the plants put in. I love to put together hanging baskets. I've got some peonies that I want to put in and some dahlias to, to kind of brighten up the backyard. But what it means, though, is it's also time to put down the phone. You know, I spend a lot of time on social media and I go through, you know, times where I I don't do a whole lot of surfing. And then there's times that I do a whole lot and I often hide it behind the fact that it's, well, Scott, I just need to read a lot of stuff because I need to know things to talk about on the air. And when I get on Facebook, how much of what you're saying to me gets passed (laughs) over?
2: Boy, we know we think... We are good multitaskers. And in many ways, I I imagine we've become that uh, from what maybe our parents were years ago. But uh, nonetheless, we still oftentimes fail at multitasking and we hear partially. And so when I say something to you, you might come back with two words that I said within a seven word sentence. So you got part of it, but you didn't necessarily get it all in context. And I do the same. So, yeah, social media draws us our attention away from seeing the other person to seeing the screen as the primary uh, driver and that that's a challenge.
1: Yeah, it is a challenge. Now my go-to is Facebook for sure. Facebook and Instagram. I like to see pictures. Yeah, I have you know friends that I've you know from high school, locally, uh, different groups that I am a part of. And for all of this time, and it's probably been over over ten years maybe that I've been on Facebook. You've never had a Facebook account <laughs> until now. Now, don't get all excited for maybe perhaps people that know us that want to try to track down Scott Aiken on Facebook. You're not going to. He's not going to friend you. You have zero friends.
2: I have zero friends. Not even, not even you.
1: You won't friend me. Why?
2: Because I, I didn't know this, but when you friend somebody, then you get to be friends with their friends, and I, that's the under, understanding of how Facebook works. But I knew that all along, and I the only reason I joined Facebook was so I could get on Marketplace, mm-hmm. trying to buy some stuff for the house. And what a neat place this Marketplace! But I didn't realize that you really need to be cognizant to to uh, hold off inviting friends, because all of a sudden you're opened up to the world. And and I that's what I've I've held away from from doing it simply because as a deacon, boy, I could be inundated with stuff. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm on Facebook now, but I'm not. I'm kind of just the marketplace watcher.
1: <laughs> it's marketplace and a few groups. And a few groups. That are important to us. And so those Facebook groups, while there are great resources on there there's also very dark areas of it and that's going to be kind of what we're going to talk about today we've got a an interview coming up because it's called rules of engagement and it's going to help you understand how to be on the internet because boy things fire up quick kind of like the way that patience kind of runs thin and you're dealing with a travel trailer. perhaps maybe one of the windows might have leaked onto the bed and we they're all opportunities to learn and sometimes, well, you get on Facebook and you, you dive in deep and in quick knee-jerk reaction, you fire off something angry and now, boy, that Christ-like behavior that we strive so much for, that patience that you strive for, it really gets tried.
2: Because we don't see the person we don't have the full context of maybe how something's presented. And as a consequence, we react just to the words as you're describing. And boy, that, that can be just um, not an addressing of the words, but an addressing of all the things that I've had buried in my heart for the day all of a sudden come out in my response to those uh, two-dimensional words as opposed to the three-dimensional person that I would never feel compelled to berate in, in front of them. But boy, somehow when it's behind a screen, people just jump on berating others and not giving any benefit of the doubt.
1: So stay with us. We got a great show ahead because Anne Garrido is going to be with us. She's going to talk about this new book. Again, it's called Rules of Engagement.
2: And on this week's view, we'll highlight what today is. And it is a mark of an extended Lent that... COVID has become for the church and for many of us.
1: Yeah, it's an anniversary. I don't know many we're looking forward to, but we do have a great show ahead for you on this week's you From the Pew. Uh, uh.
3: Hello and welcome to Catholic Bites 60 Seconds, where 2,000 years of faith and tradition is explained one minute at a time. I'm Father Tim Furlow of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, and today we're going to talk about screen time. If you're like me and you've reached an age where your natural collagen production has plummeted, then you probably remember a bygone era when screen time meant how long you sat in front of a magical box, projecting images into your brain at a whopping 7.5p resolution. Very quickly in the world, we've gone from maybe some TV in the evening to, I can't be alone for 10 seconds without pulling my phone out. Now we have bigger, flatter, clearer TVs, tablets, phones, you name it. Some of us spend almost every waking moment in front of a screen. In nine years, we've become very adept at consuming media. But let's never forget, there won't be any screens in heaven. There, the only things we'll want to spend time looking at are the faces of the ones we love. Oh, folks about marriage marriage makes me think of sports you know teamwork dedication okay let's see what people say let's say your marriage is a sport what sport would it be basketball surfing it have to be a team sport a lot of back and forth a lot of people watching so how many people are influenced by your marriage hundreds you really think about the ripple effect it's like a wave
1: <laughs> <laughs> want to improve your marriage for ideas go to foryourmarriage.org a message from the catholic church
3: as you know, it has been a challenging year for many businesses and organizations in our community. That includes some of Mater De Radio's Leadership Circle members. These are loyal friends who support our faith-filled broadcasts through their financial generosity. To find a listing of our Leadership Circle members, please go to our website at MatredayRadio.com and click on the Get Involved menu. Your support of these members will be of great help to them and to this radio apostolate. God bless you. Family life can be hectic, but God can be found
0: right in the middle of it. So take a moment for this week's View from the Pew.
1: Popes Benedict and Francis have called upon Christians across the globe to embrace the Internet as a new digital continent and think of it well as mission territory. It may be mission territory, but it can be very easy to get pulled into that online discussion and conflict that shifts you from mission to maelstrom. With one knee-jerk comment, you are sucked in, and Christ's gospel message is the needed lifeline. In her new book, Hashtag Rules of Engagement, Ann Garrido shares practical habits that will help readers align their activity in the digital world with the call of the gospel to be Christ's presence in the world. Anne is joining us today to share more about herself and about this great book. Hi, Anne. Thank you so much for joining the show today.
0: Uh, Brenda, it's great to be with you. Thanks for the invitation. Well, Anne, tell us a
1: little bit about yourself and you know, how you came to really examine how we're acting on the Internet.
0: Ah, that's a great question. I mean, I got involved in social media quite by accident. You know, it's just kind of like an invitation. <laughs> My friend said to me one time, she goes, do you like getting Christmas cards? And I said, I sure do. And she goes, then you should just get on Facebook. It's kind of like getting Christmas cards every day. And so I got on innocently enough. And then I was like, holy cow, you know, it was just emer- it's evolved a lot in the last 10 years. So, I mean, it became more and more kind of a part of daily life. Um, I teach regularly in a Dominican graduate school of theology and, and our motto as a school is very tossed truth. And so I just began to see these Intersections between my theological interest in questions of truth um, and and healthy communication as a theologian, and then what was going on on social media, and more and more I realized like I think I think our Dominican charism for truth has something to say at this moment in time about this platform. So that was that was kind of how I got more and more involved in that area of research.
1: Well, Anne, it's so easy to access all of our social media platforms. We have literally the knowledge of all of the world available to us right from our smartphones. And yet, well, we spend so much of our time online looking at dog and cat videos. How much time as a society are we actually spending on social media every single day?
0: Oh, that's a great question. Okay, so I... The statistics I am give you are going to be a little on the alarming side. Before COVID, and we don't have the research quite yet, right, for really what's happened mm-hmm. during COVID season. But even before COVID, the average American was spending about two hours and six minutes on social media platforms a day. Um, now, I'm not talking online. I'm not talking like doing research for school on the Internet. I'm just talking about social media alone. Wow. Um, we also, on average, had about seven social media accounts.
2: And you, uh, you have a section in your book called Social Media Addictions and Obsessions and describe in that some of the, the similar disorders that we see in other habits that really draw us away from, from God and from the other. And so you know, compulsory behavior, mood changes, tolerance levels, you, you give a, a really comprehensive list of, of what mirrors in many ways the addiction that, as you're describing the time spent, can, it can become.
0: You know, I, I, I that was alarming to me when I was looking um, at the research on this because, on one hand, you know, technically speaking, there's a little bit of debate about whether or not this can really be called an addiction or not. And at the same time, as you're as you're noting, um, there are all of these indicators that mirror patterns of behavior that are really common um, to addiction, and that. Uh, a large portion of people said that even if technically it's not an addiction, they still experience it as, and they still experience it as an addiction.
1: Anne Garrido is with us today. We're talking about her new book, Rules of Engagement: Eight Christian Habits for Being Good and Doing Good Online.
2: You know, you, you have in your book um, a, a section that you describe that the times that we treat others. Uh, as a means to an end rather than the relationship as an end in itself. And, and that in th- the process of getting, if you will, sucked into social media, the lack of the physical incarnate person, you say, uh, in front of us, does make it easier to slide into dehumanizing tendencies. And wow, that just was really powerful as, as I read that, that. That very much is, I think, the, the disconnect we have with social media is who is the other person we're really talking to?
0: And you know, one of the things I tried to do across the book is, because I really am, I'm trying to approach this as a theologian, and there's some really core beliefs that we have about God. And so, for example, one for us is we believe as Christians that God became incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ. And what are the implications then, if we really take incarnation seriously, Um, what are the implications of that for our daily behavior on social media? Now, I realize that's not a question that maybe everybody's framing that way. But for me, one of the challenges with communicating on social media is that I don't have the person's whole body in front of me, right? And, and body matters within Christianity. I think one of the temptations is that when I only get to see a person's head on the screen, um, I tend to then begin to respond to them as if their entire personhood was simply the ideas that they hold, rather than the fact that they have feelings like I do, they have good and bad days like I do, you know, they've got a They've dug their toe that day like I have. You know, like, I just forget that there's more to them than simply their head.
1: And Garrido is the author of several books, including Redeeming Administration redeeming conflict and let's talk about truth she's joining us today because we're talking about her new book rules of engagement eight christian habits for being good and doing good online well let's talk about this and you've set up some rules for us in your book about how to be well in this case good catholics and doing good work and using social media as the popes had said it was as real mission territory On the internet, and we've seen this time again in different news reports, people can say and be anything they want. You say it's important to know your sources, but with this vast knowledge in these platforms and the way people can be, how do you do
0: that? (laughs) That's a great question. And for me, this also is just like we were talking a moment ago about the importance of incarnation for Christians. One of the names of God that we hold is truth. And so for us as Catholics, we need to be on the really front lines of being, you know, quite assertive about the fact that we're not okay with stuff popping up online. That's misleading. That's misinformation. That's intentionally leading people to make really bad choices because it's giving them bad data. So for us, I do think this is a moral issue for us. Um, Fortunately, there's some really good uh, nonpartisan sources that if there's just like a question, something pops up in your feed and you're thinking, I'm not quite sure about this source. Like I, I'm mm-hmm. looking here and I don't recognize the source. Places like Media Bias Fact Check um, or Ad Fontes are just great sources that let us, if you check, you can look up on there and just check out the source. Is this legitimate source or not? Is this considered a highly biased source or not? If there's a particular question that, like a story that you're like, this doesn't seem quite right. um, One of the places you can check, for example, is like Snopes, you know, so there's there's some places where you can just check the validity of a story. Um, Can that stop stuff from coming into your feed? Well, one thing is if you're getting regularly stuff from sources you don't want to hear from, you can block those sources. But um, the most important thing I would say is don't share anything unless you've checked it out first. Mm. Um, There's indication that stories that use words that are very morally strong, things like, can you believe or isn't this outrageous? Those kinds of things get shared much, much more frequently. And Research indicates that this is actually part of the business model of some of the platforms. Remember these platforms are we're not they're not charging us per se to use them, but in order to earn revenue what they need to do is to keep people online so that they can get ad money. Now, how do you keep people online? You keep people online by favoring things that gets people really riled up. So they want to read more, that they want to share it, that they want to post their own comments. And so the business model works off of keeping us angry all the time. But we know as Christians that God's intention is not for us to be in a state of outrage all of the time, right? Right. This is not a way to be. And ironically, it leads sometimes to less civic engagement because we don't actually do anything about it. We have the sense that by posting it or by sharing it, we've been part of the solution. No, actually, we have not taken any constructive activity at all. You know, like writing our congressperson, participating in a protest of yeah. um, actually like getting involved mm. in any kind of cause, salve our conscience by thinking we've done already.
2: As you said in, in the book that uh, none of us can feel exempted from the duty of countering falsehoods. And, you know, to, to Brenda's point, not only is there uh, this this draw towards uh, potential sinning, you know, the sin of omission to not do anything in the face of something that is in, in need or in in falsehood boy, that really, I think that's something I could speak from, uh, the, uh, Ambo very easily about in a homily and I, and it inspires me to do mm. so, to think, how do we, how do we recognize omissions well, often the one that that's kind of the hidden sin that we do. But if we don't, uh, address things appropriately, or in this case, as you're describing, not forward false information, just because we're riled up. Um, that's, that brings that really into focus, does it not?
0: Yeah. And you know, as you're speaking about this, we can, Scott. I've been so impressed by the world communications messages that both Pope Benedict and Pope Francis have shared um, that I've tried to use to begin each one of these chapters. They've been really outspoken about these matters. They've been really outspoken about fake news. And I'm not sure that most Christians are aware of that. I'm not sure that's a topic that's getting preached on a lot, as you're mentioning. Um, so just to know for yourself and for those who are preaching and want to talk more about this topic, there's some great resources in what both of our last two popes have written on.
1: Well, another great resource is Anne's new book. It's called Rules of Engagement. Anne, where are people going to be able to get a copy for themselves?
0: Uh, well, my publisher's Ave Maria Press. They always have great discounts going on through there. But then, of course, uh, Amazon, Bookshop, uh, Find & Noble, any place that you're shopping online, you should be able to find a copy.
1: Anne, we sure appreciate your time today. Thank you so much.
0: I so appreciate the invitation. Thank you.
1: And again, that is Ann Garrido. The name of the book, Rules of Engagement. You're going to find that with a hashtag in the beginning. And I will be sure to add a link to where you can get a copy for yourself. You're going to find that link on the podcast of this interview at MatredayRadio.com. Oh, that's a fun song, but yeah, I don't want to be rude and don't be rude on the internet. Even when you feel like you have righteousness on your side, boy, you cannot lose sight of the fact of the human person that you are firing back at, even if they are truly wrong. Well, That doesn't give you the right to just lamb blast them. So it was a great interview and brings a lot of things into perspective.
2: I think the whole component she described on the incarnate aspect of Christ, we lose the incarnate reality of the person we're talking with, right? Right. In that two dimensional world of of the internet. So we have to, as particularly as Christians, be the ones to represent that in some fashion. You know, I've got really good um, over the years that I've used texting. To, uh, to use emojis, and I know a lot of us have really gotten into this, the habit of that, which is, I think, a good habit, because you're trying to express something that can't be otherwise expressed without you typing the words, I'm happy, or I'm angry, or I'm frustrated, but those emojis can help us to do what we can't do in person, which is show one another our incarnate reality, our face, our smile, our eyes, so important for human beings in our, in our relational um, aspect to to see one another, to see truly one another.
1: Oh, life is a learning process and being on the internet. Well, if you're of a certain age, it can be a trying learning process for sure. Something else that, you know, what we are looking at this year is what have we learned? It feels like we have been in an eternal Lent. Well, as it turns out, it's been a, a one year Lent because this week, in fact, in the coming days, is the one year anniversary of those initial lockdowns of COVID and what a year it has been. I don't think like any would have ever imagined a year ago back in March that we would be here now.
2: No, and it's it's amazing that we can look back on a year and see how long a year is because now it gives us, for those who are experiencing COVID uh, beyond the, the little kids, The little kids, they they experience, they're they're resilient. But the adults, we're seeing this for the first time, I think, maybe in our lives, that we've had one year of a worldwide change. And it is very, I think, um, akin to what maybe our parents experienced with World War II, uh, with even the Spanish flu pandemic, things that for many of us, we've never uh, experienced that kind of dramatic shift. Right. So yeah, this is tremendously traumatic and it's been one year of trauma and evolution. And I think that's the the, the part of what we can see as a, a silver lining to this is how have we evolved? And in, 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 the, in the idea of uh, a Christian, how have we been transformed in, right. in a good way? What Christ has called us to be transformed into more because of the crisis that we have endured and we are still enduring.
1: Right. And as that light of the tunnel maybe is becoming clearer, we look back at this last year to see how this has evolved and what have we learned. So, Scott, I looked at the calendar. It was March 13th. That was a Friday. And I picked our son up from school. He went to the Catholic school. He was an eighth grader last year. And he had every book from school in his backpack and I said what's going on and they said well they sent us home with everything just in case we don't come back and I went well that's kind of strange well sure enough over the weekend we went on lockdown that following Monday we had a staff meeting here at Mater Radio and then we all went home with our computers and we spent oh about six weeks just locked down at home But we thought that, well, maybe that's all it was going to take. But little did we know what personal losses we had to deal with. And it was a college graduation that we lost for our one student. It was a high school graduation for our senior that we lost. It was his eighth grade graduation. Our last child left Catholic schools. And that was a graduation that got postponed really to the middle of summer. And it ended up being a masked event. And then a wedding So all of these plans that we had set forward for our daughter who graduated from college had been planning her wedding, the whole thing got changed. But we still look back on all of these events and know that if we don't understand what God is calling us to, to learn from, to become, well, it was all in vain. It all simply was events that got lost and there's nothing to be learned from that
2: death is not the end. For Christians, we understand that in in form and in function and in theology and in the catechism. But here we have to really put it into practice. Even though we may be survivors of this, and we know many family members and friends who have been affected and who have themselves lost their lives.
1: Close friends of ours we've lost because of COVID.
2: Right. And, and yet, we have to we cannot be in denial as Christians. And I think that's what that's why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit because the gifts of the Holy Spirit give us courage, fortitude, an ability to seek wisdom in Christ, to move beyond what we try to deny, and that is the death of something, whether it's someone as many of us have experienced, or the death of a reality that we had hoped for, but now has had to change. And God is saying, "Lean on me. Lean on me and I can lead you out of that." but you have to be willing to stop denying and embrace that with Christ as Christ embraces the cross so we have to embrace this reality and we will come out of this we're promised by Christ with hope and life intact but so often we get uh, overshadowed by the by the moment of the day so really an encouraging time that we are here a year and and now uh, we have this so hopeful experience in the the weeks and months to come
1: As we commemorate this anniversary, Scott, before we go, let's end in a prayer for all of those who have been affected by COVID.
2: Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this opportunity to talk about this reality and in this year's timeframe. Help us to transform more and more into the body of Christ that you have called us to be a part of. We ask this in your holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in again next Friday as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our View from the Pew.
2: God bless. Have a great week. You've been listening to
0: View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Akins and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Monterday Radio in Portland, Oregon.